Hey there, welcome to Radio Face. As always, my name is Daniel Trinum, and I will be your host. It is truly an honor that you have decided to tune in for today's episode, and I hope that you enjoy it as much as I enjoyed creating it. Before we begin today's episode, I want to let you know that this show is in no way affiliated with the other show that I host, The Third Seat. However, if you'd like to check out The Third Seat, then you can find the information and links for it in the description of today's episode. I think you will really enjoy it as well, so I highly recommend you check it out. Along with this, you can find all other links to my social media accounts, as well as any necessary information for any guests that may join me on the show or myself down in the description of today's episode. With all that being said, I want to thank you again for listening in to today's episode. Now let's jump into the conversation. So I grew up in a predominantly uh, white community in a very rural community. It's a, a little town called Inglewood, Tennessee. Uh, it's, it's about an hour up the road from here in Chattanooga, and it is, it's home for me. Uh, but like I said, it's a very rural area. It's a predominantly white community. It's just uh, right at the foot of the mountains. <laughs> um, and the, the thing we boast is we've got one stoplight. We have a, we have a, a subway that we're very proud of, not the train, the restaurant. Um, but it's, it's, you know, East Tennessee, Appalachia. It's exactly what, what you would think of it. And, you know, with the year of 2020, I'm sure if there's not already, there will definitely be books written about it. Um, and there will be sections in history books about it, just about everything that happened. Um, but when the pandemic initially hit in 2020, it was kind of weird for me in my hometown, because like I said, it was a very rural area. There wasn't like bustling streets or anything. And nobody really knew what to make of it at the time. And then it was just, everybody was kind of like, nobody really knew what the best precaution was. And it was just a lot of uncertainty. And then the, you know, next big, I mean, there was all kinds of stuff that happened in 2020, but the next big occurrence that took place in actually around this time in 2020 was the passing of George Floyd. Uh, and obviously there's been lots said about that. There's been a lot written about that and not to speak for everybody from my hometown, but I remember being there during the time it, it just felt like there was kind of like this tension in the air. Like everybody was really uncomfortable to talk about what was, what was going on for, I would imagine a myriad of different reasons, but it was just like, it was kind of the, the, the elephant in the room that nobody really wanted to talk about. And ever since then, I have wanted to do something. I, I never really knew how to best go about it, but I wanted to do something to try to learn more, to give back, to do what I can to make a positive impact in the right direction. Because the last thing that any of us want is another incident uh, like what happened with George Floyd. And so if there's anything I can do to help uh, not allow that to happen anymore or to make a positive impact on the world or to maybe help others like myself who came from a predominantly white rural uh, background to help them better understand uh, these different causes, then I want to do that. And I hope that today is my chance to do that. So uh, without any further ado, Marie, thank you for joining me today. My absolute pleasure. Uh, thank you for having me. Yeah. I'm excited to be here and have a conversation with yeah, yeah, no, no problem. So before we jump in, just give a little bit about who you are, what you do, uh, how you got here, and, and just, yeah, just who you are and, and everything about you, if you don't mind. Oh, no, I don't mind it at all. So my name is Marie Mott, for those who are going to listen to this, and 
I am a young African-American woman who was born and raised on the east side of Chattanooga. So um, I actually came from a community called Churchville, which is right across from Bushtown, which is actually the first African-American township in the country right here in Chattanooga. And, um, you know, I, I grew up in a community that was thriving. Uh, where people took care of one another, mm -hmm. people had pride in the community. Yeah. And I was raised with my grandmothers who grew up during segregation mm -hmm. in Chattanooga and was instilled with a great understanding of the historical reference of um, the contribution African Americans mm -hmm. have made, not only nationally, but regionally and locally. Um, but also, you know, there was certain small conversations that I would hear about uh, th things that have uh, been happening even in Chattanooga mm -hmm. when it comes to uh, racism or police brutality. Yeah. And so um, currently I am a city council candidate, but uh, my, my journey of, as far as uh, hopping off the porch and uh, <laughs> getting into the community yeah. as an adult, because I did it a lot as a, a, ch a child, and like I mm -hmm. have a, a family of advocates yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, who took care of the community. So I was raised to take care yeah. of the people yeah. and uh, have a love for taking care of the yeah. people. Um, I got back into that as an adult um, after Mike Brown. Mm -hmm. You know, I know we talk a lot about George Floyd, but even in 2020, uh, George Floyd, um, we saw him murdered, mm -hmm. but he, he wasn't the only one. We mm -hmm. had Ahmaud Arbery, we had Breonna Taylor, we had Elijah McClain, we had Rashard Brooks. Mm -hmm. There's so many different people and names that we know and names in which we do not know um, that, that died that year at the hands of police. Yeah. Uh, but my journey started um, pretty much really after Sandra Bland, mm -hmm. um, is when, uh, I, I, you know, Mike Brown happened, and for me, that was kind of like the shaking, the, the shaking for me, but the awakening for mm -hmm. me was really like uh, Sandra Bland, that I, I needed to just get out of my corporate America bubble and yeah. get back into yeah. the community, and then just seeing like the conditions of what had happened in Chattanooga, yeah as far as uh, the, the increased gap in uh, inequality and inequity here in our city, mm -hmm. and just wanting to do something about it. Mm -hmm. And so um, I'm not a complainer. Yeah. <laughs> and I, so I had a conversation with my father, I love my father, and we were sitting down and I was talking to him about some of the frustrations about what I was seeing in our community and how I wanted to be a positive influence. And mm -hmm. I asked him, I was like, I don't know where to start. Yeah. And he was like, hmm? Well, based on what you're telling me, why don't you go to have a city council and go to the meetings? And I'm like, well, when are those? Yeah. What are they for? Yeah. Right? And so I started going and my mind was blown like, oh my goodness, there are people here that make decisions about money and mm -hmm. zoning and all sorts of kind of things. And so that's that started like a journey that has been a wild ride for me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because I never expected that you know, just being a person who um, had learned some of the basics of civics in school, but not really understanding the full impact of civics mm -hmm. and civic engagement um, and connecting the dots of how do people in positions of power and leadership make decisions that impact community and demographics of folks. Yeah. Um, connecting the dots and going on this journey has been a wild ride because it, it started just going and listening and mm -hmm. then slowly speaking, which was 
most people think like I ended up like you see me in 2020. Yeah. But people, if you were to rewind back to like 2017. Yeah. And see me like the first time I spoke, I I felt like I was sweating bullets. <laughs> <laughs> uh, because you know. At that time, you have five minutes at the city council to say yeah, something. Yeah. And I remember kind of like fumbling over my words, even though it was just nine people in yeah, front of me. It, yeah. it felt like yeah. like I was in front of people who would judge, <laughs> judge me <laughs> for what I was going to... You know what I'm saying? I, yeah. I was kind of intimidated. Yeah, yeah. And so, uh, but I kept coming back. I, I, kept, I kept speaking up. And I, I feel like the training ground of getting civically engaged um, is what gave me the courage mm-hmm. uh, to be able to to speak up years down the road yeah. when there was an opportunity for us to really come together as a city and really speak about mm-hmm. what was happening not only nationally but even in Chattanooga. And so I, I have uh, just enjoyed this this journey from city council to radio to community impact to yeah. now running for city council leading protests yeah. man i never expected 75 <laughs> percent of what has happened to me or i've taken part of to happen but um you know i i firmly believe that when you see something that is going on and it's wrong mm. even if you don't have the full understanding of what to do about it yeah. if you if you're just willing to go into a room and even just try to begin to pull the pieces together mm-hmm. about what you could possibly do mm-hmm. that is a great start yeah. it's so much better than doing nothing most people would take for granted even yeah. what we're doing right now yeah. which is what needs to happen a lot more yeah. is conversation yeah. Yeah. right it, it, a lot of us feel like you know to change the world we got to go out there with like a cape yeah you know what i mean yeah. be Superman. throw the bat signal in the air yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that's not what is required you know so much change can really come in us beginning to understand one another yeah. and be receptive of one another yeah. even if we don't agree yeah right yeah and so you know i'm i'm appreciative that this is an opportunity for do for for me to do some of the things that i love and that's yeah. just talk to people yeah. and learn from you as you learn from me yeah yeah and, and that's exactly what i hope comes from this you know um oftentimes what i what i find what i found is that if there's any like major problem that occurs or like any, you know, it's this like big news headline, like, oh, this terrible thing happened. Oftentimes the root of that problem started a long time ago. It wasn't like it just happened right then and there. And oh my goodness, we should have been better then. It, it's, it's like, there's a lot, it's, it's like a slow drip of things happening. And just like what you said, I think oftentimes specifically about, you know, regarding what we're talking about, there's just a lack of understanding. There's not enough conversations happening. You know, as I said, like I, I grew up in a predominantly white area and these conversations I've never, I, I, you know, I'm not speaking for everybody, but like I don't see them happening a lot. And part of that is just because there's, it's a predominantly white area, but at the same time it can be com- uncomfortable to have these, these conversations, you know? Um, but I think that when you have these conversations, when you make these small efforts, you know, you don't have to put on your cape. Like you said, you can just sit down with somebody and just better understand each other. That's really where these problems I think begin to be, begin to be resolved. You know, um, when you have something like the, the, the passing of, uh, you know, you mentioned Sa- uh, Sandra Bland. It's, it's funny you mentioned her. I had never, I forget when she passed, but I had never heard about her in my entire life up until about, 
maybe a couple weeks ago, I was reading, uh, I was reading Talking to Strangers by Malcolm Gladwell. It's a great book. I love, he's probably my favorite artist or an artist, my favorite, my favorite author. Um, and he, he opens the book talking about the, what happened to her and he ends the book talking about what happened to her. And really the, which I don't want to spoil the book for everybody. If you're listening, go check it out. It's a great book. Um, and Malcolm, if you're listening, I want to talk to you someday, but, um, it it really boils down to there was just a big divide between the understanding of Sandra Bland and I forget the name of the police officer that uh, was was speaking with her that day, but it really boils down to there was the there was a divide between the two. There was not an understanding between what was happening that day. Um, and sure, there could have been a lot of uh, you know things done in that instance right then and there that could have changed things, but in reality. In my, you know, to me, if, if we collectively begin to try to better understand each other, even before those instances take place, before the, the, the police lights ever turn on, if we, we consciously make an effort to better understand each other, I feel like the cases of Sandra Bland and Ahmaud Arbery and George Floyd will begin to slowly diminish, you know, uh, that when we better understand each other, it's a lot easier to empathize and to see the humanity in other people, you know, and that's ultimately what I hope is the result of, of this conversation today. Not just for me, not just for you, but for anybody who listens, you know, wh- whoever it is, I hope that, uh, this can be a benefit to everybody and hopefully we'll make a, a positive impact in the end. So, yeah, I'm sure we will. And, you know, I want you, the listener, to understand something. You know, James Baldwin, who is probably one of my favorite authors, <laughs> um, talked about there just being this unwillingness for us to accept the reality of American history. You know, the thing that is a little bit difficult about acknowledging how we got here is acknowledging the genesis or the beginning of the founding of this of uh, these United States even before there was one. Mm-hmm. You know, before we had a United States of America, we had chattel slavery. Mm-hmm. We had the separation of uh, based on the color of skin and where a person comes from, their value in the eyes of others. And even though we framed in the Constitution that we're all equal in the eyes of God, that wasn't what we were living up to. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure there is a lot of, you know, James Bowen talks about removing the mask. And, and, and basically when we remove the mask, that behind that is a lot of pain. You know, um, there there is there is pain that we have to deal with that comes with acknowledging what we see. Mm -hmm. And I want people to understand the only reason, if I could be transparent, Mm -hmm. that we were able to really pause and have a moment in 2020 was because COVID made us. The world effectively shut down. And it's not like, you know, these instances haven't been happening. I mean, you, you know, it took us over 100 years here in Chattanooga just to acknowledge Ed Johnson being lynched from mm-hmm. Walnut Street Bridge. Yeah. And he's not the only one. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, you, you know, it's taken far too long yeah. to get to this point. And part of it is because by somehow thinking that we want to address the elephant in the room mm-hmm. that uh, allows us to be able to escape. The pain, but the pain is a part of the process of what it takes to mm-hmm. be able to move towards healing. Yeah. It's an acknowledgement of what happened, yeah. what has happened. And even though you may not have done anything, mm-hmm. I want you to understand that the world that was created has given 
unequal footing yeah. based on who we are. Yeah. And the only way that we can create equal footing is to acknowledge yeah. how this world was structured. Yeah. Yeah. And if we look at that from a historical aspect, there we got to remove the emotion out of it. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, the historical aspect, the facts are what they are. Yeah. The way the country was made is how it's made. Now, how we choose to have a country going forward. Yeah. Is the most important yeah. part. And I think that is the opportunity of where we need to see about 2020. Uh, one of the books that I read for a second time, if you read a book, read it again, <laughs> uh, like a couple of years down the road, because you'll, yeah. you'll go back and yeah. you'll see so much that you missed yeah. the first yeah. time you read it, uh, was uh, Where Do We Go From Here by Martin Luther King Jr., and he wrote the book a couple of months before he was assassinated. And he actually wrote it when he took a vacation. Shout out to activists who actually prioritized their rest because that is important. Sounds like a productive vacation. <laughs> it, it was a productive vacation. And he went on vacation with his wife and his children. And um, I, I happened to see a picture of Dr. King like six months ago mm-hmm. that it was him shirtless in the waters of Jamaica. And I was like... <laughs> That needs to be normalized. Yeah. We see, we always see him in a suit, but we never see yeah. him as the the man who just got the the chill, man the man right? yeah just the individual yeah <laughs> right? yeah. And so he wrote, "Where do we go from here?" Really, just talking about you know the civil rights struggle, uh, some of the wins, some of the uh, difficulties, even after certain legislation like Civil Rights Act, Voting Rights Act have been passed, and where he was kind of trying to see do we need to go from this moment and so when i when i read that book it, it really spoke to me about like 2020 it was really like this culmination in america of us kind of revisiting you know mm. a rendezvous with the past yeah of us uh getting to decide you know where do we go from yeah. here because you know to again to james baldwin's point countries rarely ever fall from the outside Mm -hmm. they fall and crumble from within and that is because we as human beings uh, put up so many barriers that just they don't belong there yeah you know um even though you might look different from me if your experiences may be different from me that is the beauty of humanity exactly yeah yeah i look at people like a tapestry you know yeah and how alone you know one 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 strand it it, it doesn't look like anything right? yeah it's just a strand yeah, right yeah. It, it, just, yeah. it looks like raggedy yeah <laughs> but when you take all of those individual strands of different colors of different thicknesses mm-hmm. and and you and you weave them together yeah right you get something that is unlike anything else yeah. and that is what america is yeah it is this country of different beauty of different perspectives different yeah. people and we have to have respect for that yeah and if we can start with conversations mm-hmm. if we can acknowledge where we've come from but also decide that we can do things differently going forward mm-hmm. there is the opportunity and that's what i want people to see 2020 uh, was an opportunity and it still is even into the extension of right now where do we want the future yeah. to lie for us? And, yeah. and do we want it to mirror some of the same pain mm-hmm. of the past and yeah. some of the same mistakes in which we've already made? Yeah. Or do we want to choose a new destiny mm-hmm. uh, that includes a lot of people who we have often left behind? Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, I love the way you said how part of, which I hadn't really thought about this, but part of why you know the every the 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 killing of George Floyd and everything that happened in the preceding days and weeks and months part of why that happened was because we really had no other choice but to 
to look in the mirror as a society, you know, mm-hmm. um, there have been countless of, of murders of all different people of different creeds and colors that, you know, come and go. Uh, but for some reason that one sticks out. And I think that's why my worry is that we're beginning to forget about these things. You know, we're, we're nearly, we're almost two years removed on here in a couple days, uh, from, from when that took place. COVID is kind of beginning to be an afterthought to a degree where it's, it's not dominating the headlines. And my worry is that, Things are maybe not really – we might be going back to square one to a degree as a society. And so with that in mind, what in your in your mind is the, the – I don't want to say the biggest problem, but the area – the biggest area for growth that we as a society have to – keep keep carrying this torch forward. You know, I remember at the time when there was all these protests and there was people – all over the place talking about this issue and people that I would have never expected to, uh, you, you know, to have these conversations. We're having these conversations, but it seems to me, and I could be wrong. It seems to me like that fervor is beginning to die down to a degree. Like nobody's really talking about it anymore. What to you is, is the biggest area for growth that we have as a society to keep carrying that torch forward and to keep making the, the correct and positive strides into the future. Because the last thing we want is to repeat the hit the past. We want to acknowledge it and learn from it. But like you said, we make the future. And if we don't acknowledge the past and look in that mirror and learn from the past, we're probably bound to repeat it, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. Well, the, the first thing is to, it, let's just look at history. Yeah. It doesn't even have to be American history. Mm-hmm. Let's look at Rome, mm-hmm. you know, go back and see that, you know, when you have people who refuse to acknowledge what's going on, mm-hmm. a nation can quickly fall apart. Mm-hmm. And so I want people to understand is that if the ship go down, we all going down together. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not trying to be a pessimist. You know, I, I'm an optimist because I'm alive and, and I feel like if I'm still breathing, there's an opportunity for change. But that is the main thing. We struggle. We, mm-hmm. have, we have such an immunity to change. Mm-hmm. Change scares the living daylights out of us, but I need you on the other end to understand there are three things that are certain in life, death, taxes, and change. You will not be able to escape the fact that uh, the world is shifting, that uh, we have to be agile beings. We have to... We have to go with what my mom calls the ebbs and flows of life. And, and, you know, I I want you to, to know that, you know, here it is. 50 years ago, we couldn't do this. Yeah, yeah. You know, so change has already happened. Yeah. And I want you to be encouraged about yeah. that, that, you know, we're here in a moment that, you know, for our grandparents. A generation ago. Right. Yeah. It, it, a, a less than a lifetime ago. <laughs> yeah. This will be unacceptable, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, and, and especially with, with you as a man. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. This would be unacceptable. Yeah. So, you know, the thing that I want to put before the people is... Um, do you want better for your children? Do you want better for your children and grandchildren? And looking at how we in this country, we're brothers and sisters. I mean, if you could see me, I, I am not that not that far away as far as the color of my yeah, skin yeah, <laughs> from yeah, you, yeah. right? Uh, we are more related yeah. than we are distant. Oh, yeah. Um, and... The simple fact of, you know, Chattanooga has very peculiar history that is tied to the Civil War. There's black and white bodies mm-hmm. uh, in this soil. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. So, 
you know, th there's never been a period of struggle in which we've ever had yeah. where we all did it alone. Yeah. Anytime we have ever gone through a dark hour in our nation, but we are staring down the abyss of uncertainty mm -hmm. and uh, possible threat to our way of life. Mm -hmm. We've somehow found a way. Yeah. We, we could, race could go out of the, you know, gender could go out of our mind. Yeah. How can we do that in a way that is yeah. more than superficial? Mm -hmm. Or more than we're, when we're in danger from others who are mm -hmm. looking to, you know, spar with us or war with us. But how can we... You know, turn that mirror on us mm -hmm. and begin to understand that there are ways in which we have more in common than we actually we realize. do. We do. Yeah. Um, I had the opportunity to go to Harvard for the Emerging Leaders Program for 2022. And we had a wonderful conversation with uh, Professor Julia Minson of the Kennedy School about uh, perception versus reality mm -hmm. and how uh, we did a case study between Democrats and Republicans yeah. of how one side perceived one another worse than the other yeah but the reality is is that there were so many of yeah. viewpoints that were actually more in common than they thought yeah and the research showed that there was more in common mm -hmm. and so you, you know one thing that is important uh, I love talking about history because there's a lot that we we miss because we just either don't know or, uh, like you said, you, you learned about Sandra Billion because of reading a book. Yeah. Reading is, is so important. Yes. It opens your eyes yes. to things that, you know, if you come from a, a majority of anything community, majority black, you might not know about white brothers and sisters, mm -hmm. vice versa. You yeah. might not know about an international perspective. Yeah. So all of us don't think that even I, as a African-American woman, um, don't need to educate myself about others yeah. around me. I do. Yeah. Yeah. To have a respect for their cultures and, and the, the things that you have experienced, mm -hmm. because it's just as important as mine. Yeah. And the only way that I can cherish that is to understand, yeah. you know, wh who are you and where do you come from? Appalachia, I love that you talked yeah. about that. There is a beautiful history of shared mm -hmm. community between white and black people in mm -hmm. Appalachia. Yeah. Um, if you go back and look, uh, some of the, the very first people in American history that wrote laws against chattel slavery were white Quakers. Yeah. Who, who were putting out legislation yeah. and being abolitionists yeah. before it was even cool. <laughs> yeah, 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 way before this. Yeah. So, so there, there, is, there is a history that this undercurrent that I, I want people to tap into, that everybody has not always silently agreed with yeah. what's going on. Yeah. And so how can, you, how can you be a part of that crew, right? Exactly. Um, and that doesn't mean that you have to put a Black Lives Matter uh, you know, yard sign in yeah. your yard, yeah. flag, flag yeah. it from your home. But if you can just be uh, open yeah. to talking to people, yeah. if you can be open to listening to someone's experience and just processing, mm -hmm. if you can be open to, I don't know, pick up, pick up a book, yeah. and just just see what comes out of yeah. it and how that may shape or form you, form your perspective and widen that. You yeah, know? I think part of the problem is is not just that we don't talk to one another. It's just we don't know enough about exactly. one another. Yeah, and the more that we can expound our viewpoint mm -hmm. and see one another, that's how we increase the humanity. Yeah, and and you know something I remember hearing not from a lot of people, but I would hear this 
from time to time is, you know, if, if this conversation would come up, whether it's between like me and some friends or, or anybody like during, you know, the months or so uh, following George Floyd's death, inevitably I would hear someone say, well, you know, things are a lot better than they used to be for, for you know, African-Americans. Like, you know, they used to be like enslaved and then they, you know, there was all the laws against them and like they're, they're pretty much, they're, they're free now. And like to a degree, like, like we were just talking about like, yeah, 50 years ago, this wouldn't happen. But to me, something never sat right with me about that because I was like, that's somewhat disingenuous because just because, yes, there have been improvements. Um, that's, you know, obviously the, the slavery is no longer taking place in that manner. And, you know, uh, obviously there's been different laws that have been created and different laws that have been abolished that should have been created and should have been abolished. But that doesn't change the fact that people are dying. That doesn't change the fact that there is uh at, at large, not this is obviously it's a case by case basis, but you know, I mean, we can look at Chattanooga, the African African American community, excuse me, is the odds of someone you know being born here, the odds of them being in, in poverty is a lot higher than someone that's born white. Now, that's not to say that there are no people that are white that are in poverty, and it's not to say that there are no African Americans who have you know are filthy rich. You know, there's obviously going to be extremes, but there's still issues that permeate to this day, whether it directly affects me or whether it directly affects you or not. You know, and I think if we just kind of say, oh well, things are better than they used to be, that's that's kind of disingenuous to it. You know, you're you're, you're ignoring the problems it's like you you break the vase and you scoot it under the rug it's like well it's okay it still looks fine like well no there's still a broken vase underneath the rug that that needs to be cleaned up like there's still problems that need to be addressed and that's where i think like you said you don't have to be you don't have to have the the black lives matter cape on like it's going to be different for everybody your level of advocacy and how loud about it you want to be but at the very least i think if we're not open to just hearing other individuals hearing their perspective and just hearing what is bothering them or what they've experienced, we're, we're going to either stay where we're at or we're going to begin regressing. Because if we can't, if I can't be willing to listen to you, how can I expect to know what's troubling you? How can I expect to know what's troubling your community? How can I expect to know what's, you know, what, what is different about your culture than mine? We, we won't know those things. And that's, a, in my opinion, that's what I think is the easiest way to start because Yes, these conversations can be, they can be uncomfortable. They can be difficult. It can be hard to know where to start. But if you don't start to have these conversations, especially now when, you know, we've, we tend to forget about the things that are happening. I, I guarantee there have probably been African Americans that have died at the hands of police in 2022. And you don't hear them as much in the news headlines anymore because we've got distractions now. I guarantee that that still happens. But if we don't have these conversations, they'll probably continue to happen into the future with no changes, you know? And, and that's what I don't want to happen. You know, that's, I, I don't, I want less of that. And I hope that, you know, to me, not everybody wants to speak and that's fine. I, I can talk to a wall all day if you give me the chance, but everyone can listen. That, that's, that's the thing we've the old saying goes, you've got two, two ears and, and one mouth. So speak. So listen before you speak, you know? Uh, but everybody can, everybody can listen. And I think if we're not even willing to listen to the other individual, the other party, the anybody, you know, anybody different from us, we can't expect to see these changes. And that's what I hope happens in the future is just more people are willing to listen. More people are willing to hear out the, struggles and the problems that are taking place you know um i don't want i don't want us to just keep you know pushing this under the rug the metaphorically speaking and uh it's 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 inspiring to me to see individuals like yourself that 
probably I'm assuming have faced a lot of challenges like this in your past and know a lot of individuals that have faced a lot of different issues that maybe I haven't faced or individuals like me have not faced. Uh, but it's inspiring to see that you're still carrying that torch forward. You're not saying, Oh, well, you know, it, it'll be okay. It's whatever. I'll, I'll figure something else out and I'll, you know, go get a job and work some, whatever. Like it, it's inspiring to me to see that there are still individuals like yourself that are carrying this forward and trying to make a difference. And I think, the world needs more of that, in, in my opinion, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. Well, a, a lot of people um, mischaracterize what it means to be an, an African-American advocate or activist. You know, even though we are taking up the banner of pushing for, for uh, true equity in this society and liberation, it's not just anything that we've ever done has never been just beneficial for black people. Alone, yeah. Right. Well, we're all humans. Right. I mean, it, it, in my mind, I don't know for me, it's like, especially people on, you know, that are not African-Americans, like we shouldn't look at this as like, Oh, it's affecting the African-American community. Like, yes, it is. But they're also people. Like when you see someone, if, if I saw you like, you know, hurt on the side of the road, I wouldn't be like, Oh, well, you know, she's a African-American female I'm, and I'm not, I'm not. So that's, that doesn't bother me. Like, no, you're a person. Like it doesn't matter to, it should not matter what it looks, you know, if you're on the other side of things, we should still be willing to hear out and listen to what's troubling you, you know? Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, Dr. King talked about in his letter from a Birmingham jail, he said, we're caught in the inescapable network of mutuality and tied in a single garment of destiny. And whatsoever happens to one shall impact the other, yeah. whether that's directly or indirectly. Mm -hmm. uh, we are connected. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, it, <laughs> I, I, I want people to ju just see how how has time played out. Uh, there's really been kind of like a, if, if you really just look at history, you'll see this really back and forward of how we as uh, the masses of people, regardless of the color of our skin, mm -hmm. have intentionally been harmed. It's not just black people. Yeah. Now that a lot happens to us disproportionately. Yeah. But you know, like you talked about, poverty is not something that's like strictly within the black community, mm -hmm. right? There are white people who are there. Are more white people are in poverty than yeah. African American people, yeah. right? Uh, it, we had internet in the in the inner city before <laughs> fiber optics was starting to be expanded to the rural areas. Yeah. So I want people to understand that when I talk about uh, things, even though the impact I want to make is directly in my community, mm -hmm. the the reach, like the rippling effect, mm -hmm. like it's like skipping a rock on yeah. a river. Yeah. The rippling effect, I want it to have a secondary benefit to people who are not in my community. Yeah. If I fight for things that will improve my community, that ultimately is going to bring up the standard of living for everyone yeah. around yeah. me as well. Yeah. And so I want people to understand is yes, am I advocating for things to come up in my community? Yes, but do I want those the residuals of my yeah. hard labor and my effort yeah. to go as far as rural Tennessee? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. There are more hospitals that have been closed down in Tennessee in the rural areas than any part of the state. Yeah. I want you to know that even though you've never met me, mm -hmm. this might this might be the first time you ever heard my voice. <laughs> I've looked at what's impacting you and what's hurting you, yeah. and it's just as concerning to me. Yeah. And even though we've never met, yeah. it might never meet. I want you to understand that I love you and I care about what's going on where you are. Yeah. And part of what America has done, because like if you go, uh, I think it was Dol uh, Dolly Parton's uh, the. Um, 
Dollywood. Yes. It's like a um, museum <laughs> up there mm -hmm. that talks about criminal history. Mm -hmm. If you go into the museum, the majority of the, the, the major criminals up until about the 1920s and 30s were almost all white. Mm -hmm. Now it's nearly black, black and brown people, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's always been kind of like this flip-flop of, you know, America will turn white people through the grind yeah. and black people through the grind. Yeah. And part of the, the experiment of how we don't make progress is to pit us, empire has always pit us against one, mm -hmm. against one another. Yeah. Because I think people in power understand, just like they did in Chattanooga, yeah. oh my goodness. It's not just those rambunctious, you know, black neighborhood kids. Yeah. You know, there's all kinds of people showing up downtown mm -hmm. making a similar demand mm -hmm. there is more not only more in common that we have together mm -hmm. but more that we can accomplish and get done together yeah. if we come together around the same issues i'm concerned about healthcare probably just as much as you are wherever you yeah. are i'm concerned about the education of the children in my community just as much as you are yeah i want internet access for my community yeah. just as much. are those all things that we have in common mm -hmm. so what if we took race off the off the table yeah right yeah but if if as long as we just continue to not just acknowledge if you go back and look at history and bacon's rebellion mm -hmm. part of why uh race as if race is a man-made structure why it was created was because black and white people came together and burned down jamestown in virginia and held the port for two months mm -hmm. and they said oh my goodness if these people come to you know yeah come together and start making demands yeah. on a regular and consistent basis yeah. about their needs yeah right because you had indentured servants and slaves yeah i don't we have strength in numbers <laughs> you know you know uh whether you're gonna be a slave for seven years as an indentured servant or a slave forever yeah it's all slavery right? yeah yeah and so the the creation of a separation of us by the distinction of what we look like mm -hmm was a tactic to keep us from ever being able to do what we're doing. Mm -hmm. Talk to one another, right? Mm -hmm. Because that's that's kind of like the things that were forbidden and coded into law. We can't talk with one another. Mm -hmm. We can't live with one another. Mm -hmm. We can't marry one another. Yeah. We, we can't do these things together. Mm -hmm. Because if we do that, oh my goodness, we might begin to recognize where the real problems are lying. Yeah. And yeah. that is that we are people who can actually make more massive change instead of abdicating our power to others who we never really see to yeah. be responsible for what happens in our community. Yeah. And so I just want people to, you know, pull up Bacon's Rebellion. Uh, go back and look at, at how, just just look at how, I mean, crack era in the, in the 90s, opioids right now and how that's, that's torn up Appalachia mm -hmm. and rural America, yeah. you know, yeah. If we don't get this thing right, it's what happens to us. Yeah, yeah. The scales are always going to balance from one side to the yeah. next. Yeah, and, and you know the thing is like, so like I said, I, I grew up in a very rural. Uh, I don't have the numbers, but I would imagine a relatively low income area. I know a lot of the people that that you know live where I live. They work blue collar jobs, um, and it's not like you know. Um, 
this term that was often brought up, especially you know after uh, the passing of George Floyd, was these systemic issues. That was, that was that that phrase, and all the time I would hear people be like, "Well, what does that even mean?" Like you know, there's not like not like there's like a somebody pulling the strings in the back, like, "Oh, we're gonna do this, that, and the other." But that's to me, even though you, issues that may be affecting the African American community may be different from you know the community I grew up in. There's still issues that that impact my community, similar to that impact yours. Like you said, the opioid ec- epidemic that's currently taking place, I saw all the time through high school, through my college years, all the time. I would see so many individuals suffering from that are as white as, as this, this curtain over here. I saw so many individuals that suffered from these problems. And like you said, just because these problems may be different, like, you know, they they affect people in different ways. A rising tide lifts all, all ships as, as the saying goes, kind of like what you alluded to. If, if you are able to bring change, positive change for your community, that's going to have a rippling effect out to everybody. And it's not just about, oh, how can I benefit this community or how can I benefit that community? It's like, no, how can we help everyone? You know, like you said, we all want a good education for our children. We all want good health care. We all want, you know, good infrastructure. All of these things affect us all relatively the same way. So how can we fi- how can we fix these issues? How can we begin to have the conversations to set to acknowledge, you know, the elephant in the room and say, hey, this is not what we want it to be. It affects all of us similarly. We're all dealing with the same issue how can we begin to resolve this, you know? Um, and I think that's incredibly important because if we don't begin to acknowledge that maybe we do suffer from similar problems, maybe we suffer from different problems, we're still suffering from problems at the end of the day. It, that, that, the, root call, the root problem that we are all suffering from these systemic injustices is still the case. You know, like I said, I see people all there. I would see people all the time in my hometown that were suffering from this opioid ep- epidemic. Now, there's a lot of reasons for that. But I'm sure you see people all the time here in Chattanooga that may not look like me that suffer from different issues, and you see it all the time. And if we can begin to resolve these problems, it's more than likely going to have a positive impact on everyone or a vast majority of people, not just the people you know, not just people that I know, but communities all across the world, you know, Um, at least I would like to imagine it it would. And, And that's really what I hope that people understand is just because you know, you advocate very strongly for the African-American community doesn't mean that it's just limited to that community. Absolutely. It, it, it helps everyone. It really does. And and that's what I hope that people understand is it's not just limited to a single community. It's, it's it, you know, it's inclusive for everybody, you know? Absolutely. There's a method to the madness I hope people to understand. Yeah. Like, I know that if I can chip away at change and make it successful where I'm at, the next step is how can I widen the net? Mm-hmm of safety and stability for others around me. Because now now we have a tangible and visible way of seeing that change and progress is possible. Mm-hmm. You know, for a lot of us, um, we're apathetic if we just be real cynical, yeah. right? Yeah. That we have kind of given up uh, hope. But I want you to be able to hold on to that and, and just be encouraged. You know, I, I call myself a CEO. I'm the chief encouraging officer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> chief encouragement officer. I love that. That is my job. Yeah. Um, first of all, uh, we're family. That's how I address everybody. Yeah. It, it's not just black people. For, for reference, when I, I so this is my first time meeting Marie in person. I When I walked out to meet her, I extended my hand for a handshake, and she said, no, I do hugs. So <laughs> she's, she's not lying. She is not lying, and I appreciate that. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, yeah. 
God made all of us yeah. and just gave us a, a different lens of being able to see life differently because if we were all the same, that would be boring, yeah. right? Yeah. Like different cultures is a way of you getting getting a opportunity to go on a journey with someone. Uh-huh. And having an opportunity to go on many journeys in a lifetime is a blessing, mm-hmm. right? Uh, to, to be able to taste different food, hear different kinds of music, feel different kinds of vibes, mm-hmm. see how... You know, a turn up for your community is different from a turn up for mine. <laughs> you know, the same thing I went to a square dance, but yeah. then you went to a house party in the inner city. Yeah. That's dope. Right? Yeah. Yeah. You've had many experiences in, in a lifetime. Yeah. That, there's where an opportunity lies. You know, democracy is an experiment. If you look at what we wrote down at the beginning of our country, we weren't really look, living up to that. Mm-mm. You know, it has only been us scrambling and coming together no matter how ratatatted that was mm-hmm. at any point in history yeah. that we have expanded the the true meaning of what was written on paper is exactly what what is existing in our society because mm-hmm. when we started we said all men are equal well what about women yeah yeah <laughs> right what about you the know? other 50 percent of people here <laughs> right yeah. you know uh, um what about the children? Yeah. Right? Children often get left out of the conversation. Yeah. They have a whole perspective and yeah. opinion as well. So yeah. I've come to learn working with working in the schools and talking uh, with young people and speaking with them. Good God, they're more informed than I and than I see most do- adults are. Yeah. You know, um, we we have expanded uh, the reach of what democracy and what. Uh, stability and what inclusiveness actually means Mm -hmm. but that job is not done Mm -hmm. you know we can't pat ourselves on the back and feel like you know okay uh we we did a 1965 civil rights act and voting rights act so you know that's the most yeah so we're good now you know and affirmative action (laughs) yeah yeah And, and and that's 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 where our job has ended. I mean, as we're seeing right now, this is bigger than the African American community, even though, you know, that is a, a, a part of the conversation. Mm-hmm. But let's look at Roe v. Wade, what's going on right now. You know, there is a lot that's being discussed that's impacting different demographics mm-hmm. of people. And so how how we choose to continue to experiment with this democracy. You know, a democracy is a government that derives its power from the people, Mm -hmm. meaning that the people have power. My job is to give people some power. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And I want you, wherever you are, I want you to be empowered Mm -hmm. that we all can chisel out and forge a new destiny, Mm -hmm. that we can uh, trailblaze a new path. Mm -hmm. And what does that look like Mm -hmm. if everybody has a seat at the table? Exactly. And can speak up at the table and be heard. Because mm-hmm. that's really all what most people want. Yeah. They just want to be heard. They just want to be on equal ground, yeah. you know. And, and and that is so important because I I have been blessed in many ways in my life. Uh, you know, my I've, I have a great family. Uh, they have done very many things that I've they have they have done so many things to help me get to where I am today that uh, to act like to act to act like you know where I'm at today is because of purely just me is 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 being very disingenuous um, and I think that just having like that really is what a lot of people want is is just being able to be heard being able to voice their how they feel and not feel 
criticize, like, well, not necessarily criticize, but not not feel like they're going to be torn down because of how they feel and the ability to be heard. That, that's re- that's really what most people want, like you said. And I think that's that's just so important because if you, like I said, if you if you can't listen to other people, if you can't just at the very least hear what or be willing to hear what other people have to say, that really can have a negative ripple effect. Uh, it, it begins to cause problems that you don't see right now. But if I stop listening to individuals, you know, other than myself. That can cause other people to stop listening, and and that really can have a negative impact to where we see things uh, like the tragedies we've been speaking about. They, those things can occur because of that, you know. Um, something you mentioned that I, I'm I'm really glad is 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 children. I think we oftentimes forget about them in these conversations. You know, it's it, these conversations like oh, the, well, the adults are talking here. We're gonna we're, we're gonna talk about this, but. In reality, I mean, if there's one thing I've learned, uh, I don't personally have children, but I have a younger sister, is that uh, they are very, like, to the point. They don't they don't have much of a filter. They're just like, oh, they just have to know how they feel and they just say it, you know? And to me, I think that can be a good thing because they can acknowledge things for what they are. You know, they, if if something something is good, they'll say it's good. If something is bad, they'll say it's bad. But oftentimes, I think it can be at least the idea of having conversations about race, having conversations about what makes us different, but at the same time makes us, you know, that brings us together can be difficult to approach. It can be kind of, you know, I would imagine for a parent, if you have like, you know, a middle school child or maybe an elementary age child, you may think, how do I have this conversation with my child? Or they, you know, they're asking me these questions and I feel like I have a good answer for it, but I don't know how to tell that to them because, again, they're they're a young child. How do for you? I mean, how how would you say is is good for people to have these conversations with children? Because obviously, the children below us are who are going to come after us. They are, you know, at one point in time, we were those children, and here we are now having this conversation. If we're not willing to have these open conversations with our children my worry is that these issues will begin to fade into the background and they won't be discussed nearly as much as they should. And that's obviously not what, not what any of us want. So for you, I mean, how would you recommend individuals have conversations about these things with their children, no matter what their age is? So the first thing I would say is that it's going to be difficult for a parent to have a conversation if you yourself as an adult are not um, beginning to do the work, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Whether that is just, um, taking in differences in perspectives. Um, You know, a a great book that I would advise people to read is that there's a a book that talks about the the women of the movement, Mm -hmm. specifically about uh, Betty Shabazz, who was Malcolm X's wife, um, about Coretta Scott King, Mm -hmm. and about Megger Evers' wife, Mrs. Evers, Mm -hmm. and talks about, you know, their journey. Because a lot of times we even see just the men. Yeah. You know, the women are very much the undercurrent of yeah. all movement. Yeah. You know, um, why didn't you, you as a parent have to widen your perspective before you can yeah. have a conversation? You can't teach if you have not first been a student. Exactly. Yeah. So uh, to educate the the Latin root of that word, mm-hmm. uh, the etymological understanding of that word, I'm a nerd for real, y'all, is <laughs> uh, to bring people out of darkness. Yeah. That's all it means to be educated. Mm-hmm. Means that you come out of a point of ignorance, which is I just don't know or understand. Yeah. To now that I have taught you, you are now enlightened. Yeah. And so the only way that you can bring light to people is that you got to first you got to get some light. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> um, educate yourself. It, you know, get into James Baldwin, uh, Richard Wright. Um, by goodness, um, 
I can I can give books. Maya Angelou, uh, good Lord, uh, Audrey Lord. Yeah. There are so many people that you can just pick up a book and read. You can read Stamp from the Beginning. Mm-hmm. You can read. Uh, a lot of people think slavery ended at the emancipation. There's actually a book that addresses that called Slavery by Another Name, yeah. which is also a PBS documentary. Huh. Uh, so th- there are many things that you can um, look at to to be able to understand. Read the. It's very very thin. The uh, the narratives of Frederick Douglass. Mm-hmm. Uh, read the souls of black folk. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, there. I, I can. I literally can give books all day long. Yeah. Um, you know. T- to understand how segregation works, you can read *The Color of Law* mm-hmm. to see how that process came about, yeah. and just have an understanding of. We talk about systems. Mm-hmm. How did those systems uh, develop? Yeah. How are they still intact yeah. to this day? Yeah. Um, and then what you do for children is. So, the thing that I would say is, up to a certain point, let children be children. Mm-hmm. I think. Um, there's a natural tendency of children to be able to play with one another, love one another. It's adults that interfere with that process. Mm-hmm. Um, I see kids all the time. They, they're they different. Yeah. And that never comes in, up in conversation because mm-hmm. their innocence haven't, hasn't, been, um, has, hasn't been tainted by our own personal adult opinions. Mm-hmm. I think uh, the, the job is... How do you kind of break down the information and make it plain to where they can understand it? But your goal is to educate them, not to give them your opinion. Yes. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So even if you have some opinions, let them formulate their own conclusions. Mm-hmm. Because if you let them go on the journey, right, mm-hmm. what you might give them the experience of is that when they meet other people, instead of already having a preconceived notion because you put something in their head, they can just ask that person directly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and and you know, I'm I'm glad you brought up that because, so, I mean, as a relatively young person, uh, I I don't I don't know at what point I stopped referring to myself as a young person. I'm currently 22, so I I know I'm younger than I think most people would deem me as young, but I don't know at what point I stopped calling myself that. But I'm just going to ride it out for as long as I can. But as a young person in in today's world. It to me, I, I feel like we we do not allow people the space to really come to their own conclusions or to formulate their own opinions. As a individual who has a lot of opinions on a lot of different things, I have to understand that even though I feel like I'm doing or my opinions are coming from the from a good place, that other people who also are coming from a good place are going to have different opinions. And to me, that should be viewed as a beautiful thing because. If everybody agreed with me on every single thing, there'd be a lot of problems in this world because I I know that I'm I'm flawed. I'm I would I have the best intentions, but I'm going to mess things up at times. And allowing especially our children to come to their own conclusions and and you you can even be honest. Like if if you know if if a child came up to me and asked me about some issue, you can even say, "Hey, this is my personal." Like you can tell them the facts and you can say how you personally feel, but make sure they understand that it's your opinion. You know, it, I always tell people like if I, if, if somebody asks me like, how do I feel about this issue? I always make sure like, this is how I feel, but you're free to disagree. You're free to come to your own conclusion. And I hope that at the very least you'll take my opinion and allow it to help to formulate yours. You may not agree with me. You may not feel like we have the same opinion, but allow it to 
to better educate. Not, not, don't just don't just make the goal to make more of yourself. I guess don't just make more more of your own opinion, but allow others to take your opinion, to take the facts available, and then draw their own conclusions. And, and be willing. You know, probably the the greatest person who did this, who at, at one point was probably when he said this was the most offensive. You know, Malcolm X talked talked about white people at the beginning stages of his public speaking career as mm -hmm. white devils, mm -hmm. blue-eyed devils. Mm -hmm. And that man grew, mm -hmm. traveled, um, started speaking in colleges mm -hmm. and various different things. And as he got a little bit older, mm -hmm. got more experience, he acknowledged that that was not the right thing to say, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. That no, I when I he went on his Hajj. So as a Muslim, yeah. you know that's one of the the, the things that most people work towards is do, going on their journey mm -hmm. uh, to to Mecca. And he said, when I went to Mecca, I saw all kinds of Muslim people. Yeah, right. There are Muslim people who are white with blue eyes. Yeah. And so how can I call them my brother? Yeah. If, if I if I have a preconceived notion just because of what they look, I'm no better than the people I'm criticizing. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Because I've already judged you before I know you. And so he had to go back and retract his former statement, right? <laughs> yeah. And that, ooh, that takes that takes a, a mighty amount of courage. It does. It does and to integrity yes. to be able to say, you know what, I was wrong. Yeah. I was wrong. I I didn't know enough then. Yeah. I hadn't read enough then. Yeah. I hadn't hadn't traveled enough then. Yeah. And I made a lot of statements that that were out of my ignorance. Mm -hmm. And now that I've gotten a little bit older and I've experienced a little bit, I've talked to more people. Yeah. You know, I I, I can't stay where I once was mm -hmm. because now, oh, I'd be, I'd be cutting off my own tongue if I do that, right? Yeah. So yeah. It, it, be willing, you know, again, part of change is also growth. Mm -hmm. uh, the more that we begin to experience one another, that helps us grow. Growing is a, is a painful process, right? Yeah. Uh, Maya Angelou talks about this, you know, what it means to be a great human being. Mm -hmm. And she said, you know what? I blow being human all the time. Mm -hmm. I blow it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I blow it. I make mistakes. But, you know, it, it is the fact that I, I press forward. It's the fact that I pull in so many demographics of, of people. It's the fact that I... When I write, you know, one of some of the books that she wrote were about prostitutes mm -hmm. and various different people. And she talked about her experience of when she was doing a book signing, there was a lady who came in. She said, and I could tell from what she had on that, you know, she had just got off off the streets yeah. of, of doing her night job. Yeah, yeah. And she said, you know, the woman, the young lady came up and she grabbed my hand. She grabbed my hand. I could, I could, like, I could feel what yeah. she was saying. Yeah. So she grabbed my hand. And she said, "You saved my life." Just because <sighs> I, I pulled a, I pulled it in person. Part of, part of it was because of Maya Angelou's journey and her own personal experience yeah. in life. But when we pull one another in, we have no idea who we're saving. Mm -hmm. We have no idea who we're reaching. I, I go to the grocery store all the time and go out and about all the time. I was out the other day and I promise you a man stopped in the it wasn't even a stop sign he stopped in the middle of the street rolled down the window I was having a conversation with somebody <laughs> on their yard and was like Marie I love you I'm so proud of you keep doing what you have no idea who's watching you yeah who needs you to to be a light in the dark dark world right now yeah you know and I, I just want whoever you are 
whoever you are, wherever you're listening from. It's not about perfection. It's not about, you know, I, you, you don't have to be Martin Luther King Jr. Yeah. <laughs> That's not what we're asking. You don't have to be Franklin Delano Roosevelt, you know, yeah. the president of the United States to yeah. have an impact. Yeah. You can be someone right in the community where you are yeah. to say, hey, man, you know, there's probably a perspective you haven't considered in this. Mm-hmm. Would you be willing and open to just checking it out? Mm-hmm. And, and and I think what you're getting at here is is the importance of not only having role models and examples in our lives, but being a role model and an example in our life. You know, like I'm probably never going to arrive to the level of, uh, we'll say fame, I guess, of Martin Luther King. You know, I, I really doubt there's going to be sections in history books written about me. <laughs> I, I, I could be wrong. Who knows? But, <laughs> I, but I really doubt that's going to be the case. But like you said, we shouldn't necessarily shoot for that. That's not what we're necessarily aiming for. It should be to have an impact right here where we are right now. That may be one person. Maybe you're maybe the only people you're connected to is, is one person you know. Well we'll make the do the work to make that improve. You know, that that's where you can start. You don't have to have this nationwide reach like like uh, Dr. King did because most people won't get to that level. That's that's an incredibly difficult position to reach, but an incredibly rare position to reach as well. And I think that's so important that, you know, what you talked about with, it's funny you brought that up with Malcolm X. One, I never, I never knew, I knew this, I never knew the second part. Uh, all, all that I ever hear about Malcolm X is like, yeah, he was this activist, but he was kind of like rough around the edges and he was kind of mean. And like, he said all these things and he's like, yeah, and, but like, you never, you never, at least me, like I never heard the second part of like, he, he kind of went through a, a personal change. Well, even the, a lot of people don't know the beginning of Malcolm's life. So his father was a preacher mm-hmm. and his father was killed by the Ku Klux Klan on a, on a train track. Really? Yes. They murdered his father. So, I, I mean, of course he's going to grow up and he's going to be hos- a bit jaded. Yeah. Have hostility. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Because I mean, they, they, they took his father away from him, yeah. murdered him because he was, uh, he followed, um, Marcus Messiah Garvey. Uh, you can read some of the speeches of the Honorable uh, Marcus Messiah Garvey. Uh, his thoughts and speeches. That is a monumental man. Uh, but he he was a man that talked about like before. He he was what I would say was one of the first iterations of a, of a kind of like a Dr. King level reach. Mm-hmm. Um, and so his father was what is called a Garveyite. So he believed in uh, black people coming together, working together, having community. And and so that's all he would practice. And he would preach that from the pulpit. Mm-hmm. And so they killed him. And then his mother went insane. And so then he was raised by his aunts. And so and then, you know, he talked about as a child, he he uh, went to a school that was predominantly white. And even though he was very smart. Mm-hmm. You could tell he was very smart. I mean, yeah. listen to the man's speeches. He's got a great vocabulary. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> he loved to read. Yeah. He wanted to be a lawyer. And and his white teacher told him that he couldn't do that, right? Mm-hmm. So if, if you don't know where a person comes from and maybe even how they got to the sentiment, mm-hmm. right? Where, where did that, where, what was the root of that? There yeah. was pain that was attached to that. Yeah. And then he, he, he has some experiences that help him, I think, widen the perspective that, yeah, there were a handful of men at the beginning stages of my life that, that killed my father, but that's not all white people. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I can acknowledge the two. Yeah. That, you know, there, there's a, and, and we have to understand this, there's a small demographic of people who are driving the, the majority. Yeah. 
right? Yeah. Driving the perspective of why, why would we allow that to happen? Yeah. That shouldn't happen, right? Because the the majority are not going out here and lynching lynching people. Yeah. Right? Or or shooting people. Yeah. Right? So how do we how do we allow space for I can have a problem with people who believe in racism but allow space for my white brothers and sisters who want who don't want any part of that. Yes. Exactly. Right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I can I can I can balance the two and and to be like I said, such a man of integrity just to go back and to put that on the public record. Yeah. Because, I mean, he could have just wrote that in. I mean, the man does have an autobiography. Yeah. He could have just wrote it out on paper. But no, yeah. just like he spoke it out, he did the exact same thing. Yeah. So, you know, um, and then the thing that he said after that was, I'm willing to work with anybody mm-hmm. who wants to work towards liberation mm-hmm. for African-American people. Yeah. And, and I think that that ex- i mean that that's such a it, it's not like no one's perfect you know uh i think it's fairly easy to like it, i think it's fair to say like maybe he shouldn't have said you know that that white individuals are white devils but the fact that he was able to acknowledge that and say yeah that i probably should have used different words or maybe i should have had a change of heart that is a great example to follow because one it acknowledges that no one's perfect that we all make mistakes, and oftentimes we make mistakes and we don't realize it. We think we're doing the right thing. I'm sure at the time he was like, this is the best way to say it, and and he felt very passionate about that. But two, being able to accept, kind of kind of knock yourself down a few pegs and say, I shouldn't have done that, like be be humble about yourself. What better example is there? Because it's not like, like I know I've said things that I regretted. I know I've done things that I regret. It, acting like I'm like I'm perfect, like I would never say anything just as bad. Like I, I've said things before that I, re- I wish I hadn't. But being able to say, yeah, that person is not who I hope to be. I hope that I can be better than that in the future. I acknowledge that what I said was wrong, but I hope to move, be better in the future. That is a great example for anybody. Anybody, no matter you know who you are, your age, race, creed, color, whatever. It does not matter. That is a great example. Another great example that comes to mind is I forget the name of her book, but uh, it, I believe her name is Catherine Johnson. She uh, was, there was a, a movie, not just about her, but she was one of the few uh, African-American women that helped the uh, mission to, to the moon occur. Uh, the movie, the, uh, Hidden Figures. Hidden I, yeah. I forget what year it came out. Um, but that movie, not, that movie not, not only has a great soundtrack, I will say, uh, but it, there was a book, I forget the name of it. It's, it's, it's on the, I forget what it is. If you're if you're curious, just look up Katherine Johnson book. It's a great book. But people like that, she she talks about from a young age, like her family and her dealing with so many people just just get not giving them any help from the start. No one giving her the opportunity to excel from the start. But uh, you know, she worked through all of that, and she became an incredibly successful. She was an incredibly intelligent individual. And without her, we probably wouldn't have reached the moon. Like that's think about that. That is such an incredible like integral part of human history not just u.s history but human history that we were able to do that without her and the individuals around her we wouldn't be able to say these things we wouldn't be able to say that we did that and i think individuals like her like dr king like Maya angelou like malcolm x i think they all have great positive benefits that we can look look at them and say they were not perfect people no one no one is everyone has their flaws everyone's said things done things that maybe we wish we hadn't said and done but it doesn't end there. It, 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 the example goes beyond that. And I think if we correctly 
assess these examples and use them in our own lives, that's a great way to, to teach, you know, children. You don't have to necessarily sit down with a, with a six-year-old and talk about systemic <laughs> issues because they're probably gonna be like, yeah, I don't really care. Like, but if you can show them these great examples of, Hey, there was someone that looks just like you that was able to help bring a man to the moon. That's cr- like, that is crazy that, you know, that you can say, Hey, there was someone that is just like you. He grew up and he was one of the most famous people of all time. And he was a great orator. He spoke in, uh, in front of the, the Washington, is it Washington monument. I forget the, the, in Washington, wherever it was, I forget exactly what it was. I mean, that's a great example. Yeah. They're not perfect. They messed up, but who is, who hasn't, who isn't, who isn't flawed, you know? And I think that's a great way for anybody to learn, to look at these examples and to assess that, yeah, they've had some imperfections, but they were able to move past those imperfections and make a positive impact and set a great example for everybody that came after them. You know, I think that's, I think that's beautiful. And I, I hope that if at the very least anybody will check out any of those individuals, we, if you, if you haven't already <laughs> check out those individuals we've been, we've been talking about because they are, they're great people. Uh, they really do set a high standard. And I think that we can learn a lot from both their imperfections and the things that they do well, you know? I agree. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, I, I'm curious. So for you, is there somebody you mentioned, uh, your father and he's had a big impact on you. Is there anybody else specifically, whether it be like a, like a national figure or like anybody here locally that's had a big impact on you that has inspired you to do what you do today or absolutely. Yeah. I'm like you, I've, I've been blessed to come from a, a wonderful family. Mm-hmm as well as along my journey to have had uh, people who just brought me in uh, to be the wind beneath my wings yeah. and to help me grow and to challenge me to uh, do better, to mm-hmm. be better, and to um, be a, a good leader, mm-hmm. which I've, I've struggled with that because I, n- I never sought leadership, mm-hmm. but the, the Everything is like pull is pulling me to that, and it's like yeah. crazy. <laughs> yeah. But I would start with uh, besides my mom. Um, you know, my mom went from being Poss Homes, which used to be a public housing project here in Chattanooga. She's now over Emerging Technology Lab at mm-hmm. TVA. She went to school to be a chemist when she had two babies and was pregnant with another. Yeah. Was a teen mom, uh, but still, still just did it and, and my father who worked two jobs the majority of my life worked two jobs and went back to college and a military service man yeah. like th- that man literally has given me the both of them have given me my drive but for him it's just saying like he never made any excuses about doing something and so I, I draw a lot of inspiration from them my grandmothers my matriarchs um, the glue that held both sides of my family together. Mm-hmm. You know, being able to hear about Chattanooga in the old, the good and the bad, mm-hmm. right? It wasn't all bad, yeah. but you know, the good and the bad. Yeah. You know, my grandmother would talk about what it would be like on a Sunday morning, how everybody would be in their Sunday best. Like, we definitely don't do that now. <laughs> <laughs> but we'd be in their Sunday best, and she could go on Vine Street or could go on 10th Street and get popcorn. And, you know, my Aunt Nellie, who was her little sister, could go get a drink. And, yeah. they, you know, they could they could just go hear jazz and, and yeah. do all sorts of kind of stuff. Like, um, you, you know, I, I, I love uh, my grandmother's... Um, shucks... Eric Atkins, AMP Air, Dr. Tommy Brown, Sherman Matthews, may rest in peace. Um, oh man, so many people have helped me. Yeah. So yeah. many people have helped me and, and seen 
this loud mouth scrappy young lady <laughs> from East Chattanooga with an afro, you know, and have helped shape me and mold me. Like yeah. Harvard would have never happened. TEDx would have never happened last year. Um, so much of my life, I don't think I ever would have thought I could do, had the courage to do, mm-hmm. the knowledge to do, if it wasn't for people who poured into me, if it wasn't for people who have um, chastised me when I've been foolish or wrong. Yeah. You know, because like you, like, I'm not perfect. Yeah. You know, I have made some terrible mistakes. Yeah. And the fact that I have a platform, I've made some public public mistakes <laughs> where other people can just, you know, kind of hide in the corner somewhere. Yeah. You know, my mistakes have, have been public. But the cool thing about that is I've gotten a lot of feedback from people as I have been talking to folks in the community running for public office this time in. A lot of people have acknowledged, like, Marie, like, we see your growth. Yeah. Which is, like, that makes my heart flutter. Yeah. You know, that people can see, like, where I started is not where I am right now. And I, I hope that I can be an inspiration that you can blow being a human sometimes, but you can also, you know, go through the struggle of what it means to change and that you can make a an impact that you might spend all of your time uh, downplaying and one day you might come to the acknowledgement that you saved somebody's life or you you connected somebody with an opportunity or you inspired somebody. You know, Tupac Shakur had a saying in an interview, he said, I might not change the world, mm-hmm. but I guarantee you I'm going to spark the brain that changes the world. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. I don't have to change the world. If I can spark the brain of a yeah. young person that, that goes 10 times 1,000 yeah. further than me, yeah. I've done my job. That's beautiful. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. And so just just think about it that way. You know, we we everybody is not going to be at the same level of, of impact. But at the very least, if you could spark the brain of some young person uh, to to do great things and to realize, you know, the beauty of human human existence is talent can come from anywhere, mm-hmm. that uh, intelligence and can come from anywhere. Mm-hmm. You know, what if there wasn't an opportunity for a black woman to do math? We never would have went to the moon, right? Yeah, yeah. So everybody needs to have the ability to be decent at math. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because we need to get to Mars, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think we should go back to the moon at least we, once, you know, one more time, you we, know. We never know how far we're going to go yeah. if we just continue to operate how we're operating, which is just keeping one another at an arm's distance. Yeah, yeah. And really, um, I think it is because, you know, um, we're, we're a little bit afraid of giving up our own personal identity or think that we have to mm-hmm. in order to be a whole. And we don't. Yeah. You know, you can have your identity and respect the identity of others and be able to sit at a table just like we're doing. Have we fought? No, no. I don't want to fight with you. You seem a little bit more feisty than I am. So I, I may be taller, but I don't want to fight with you. I promise. <laughs> you know, um, and I believe that even if we disagreed on something, you know, we could do that respectfully. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And that, I, you know, I'm not going to get up from the table and like yeah. have my stuff and like march out of here and yeah. go down the elevator yeah. take the stairs so I don't have to take the elevator. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, it's not that serious. Yeah. Uh, we can we can have our own experience and just look at other people as an opportunity. It's like they're the socket and we're mm. the plug. We yeah. can plug into other people and yeah. just be able to draw inspiration and share energy with one another, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And that's how I want if you get nothing else from this podcast today, <laughs> like 
see see yourself as a plug and everybody you meet is a is a is a socket yeah and you have an opportunity to plug into that person and to draw inspiration and knowledge and pain and passion yeah. and and all sorts of things and that you can give those same things in return mm -hmm. and if we go about life like that where we look at people as an opportunity to plug in mm -hmm. and just share energy with one another i think we'll be fine yeah no i i 100 agree the there's going to be a lot more good done from being able to listen to each other and plugging into one another and hearing he, just hearing the stories of each other's lives. There's going to be a lot of, a lot more good than, uh, than negative that comes from that. And that is the thing that I continually see, especially from my time at UTC from, you know, before that back in high school, I mean, looking back now, the more people I meet from different backgrounds and even people that are similar, like that people that I've grown up known my entire life. I mean, being able to listen to individuals and to draw from them while they draw from me, it it's such a it's such a net positive for the both of us, you know, and and that positive influence and that positive impact at large can have so much it can have such a great benefit for everybody involved. You don't have to be the most talkative person in the world, you know. You don't have to be the most uh, as you said, the most rambunctious person in the world or anything. You don't have to like, you can just listen to individuals and just allow, just soak in their life experience and allow that to impact you positively. And if you can do that, there's a lot of good that can come from that. I think both personally in your own life and, you know, culturally, societally, there's a lot of good that can come from that. And I hope that whoever listens to this, uh, you know, like you said, uh, maybe we won't change the world, but if we can spark somebody, the the person that will change the world, that's a great thing. So yeah, I agree. Um, one more thing I want to ask you about. So what you are running for city council, is that correct? What is for you, what do you hope, uh, whether you, uh, I, I'm not familiar with exactly the process of city council, but is, is the word elect, would that be the correct word? Okay. I just want to make, I was like, is that the correct <laughs> word for this? Uh, if you, whether you are elected or not, um, what do you hope is the biggest change you, you hope to see in the Chattanooga community in the next year, two, three, four years, uh, whether, whether or not you're elected, uh, obviously after speaking with you today, you seem like a great individual and I think you would do a great job. Uh, you seem like you have a, a heart of gold and, and like you have a, a love for people. So that's a good place, a great place to start, but whether or not you end up, uh, as a city council member, what do you hope? What's the change you hope to see in the Chattanooga area in the future? Well, the, the masses of the people are disengaged, <clears throat> mm -hmm. but I think part of that is because they don't, they don't feel like there is a path to a future. And don't understand that the, the future is abundant. Um, because of technology mm -hmm. and the way that times are changing, mm -hmm. there is actually more opportunity in the future mm -hmm. than we I think we realize. Mm -hmm. One of the things that I want to do is bring more people together on group activities mm -hmm. to be able to do things in the community to positively benefit them. You know, one of the things that I found is is that nothing changes unless you're willing to work at changing. Yeah. And so, um, how can I bring different demographics of people together to be able to start making even just very small changes? Because everything that needs to happen in 
our city and in our communities is not like long-term goals. Mm -hmm. There's a lot that, that is what I consider like low-hanging fruit. Mm -hmm. um, uh, small things that we can do that just take us actually coming together mm -hmm. and strategizing about how we're going to move forward. So I actually want to work with the community, whether I'm elected or not, mm -hmm. uh, to teach us like how do you work together in a group of people. Yeah, uh, That's a skill set. Yeah. Um, and how do you work together with people who you don't agree with? Yeah. Um, there is a great example. Actually, it comes from Jackson, Mississippi, mm -hmm. uh, which is the People's Assembly. If you actually research that and look it up for Jackson, Mississippi, there is a uh, public civic engagement model of how people and those who are in positions of leadership, so whether that's the police chief, fire chief, firefighter, regular firefighters, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. uh, how do all of those people uh, come together in community meetings mm -hmm. and have like breakout groups mm -hmm. and every person has like one issue and so there's no leadership structure at the table. Everyone has equal voice, equal footing and you are responsible for working with who's ever at your table mm -hmm. about how you're going to um, start tackling that problem mm -hmm. and then coming back to the group and reporting back and, and that's where you start plotting out plans about issues and various different things and so um you, you know that's one of the things that i i am not only an encourager but i like to empower people mm -hmm. um i believe in the the philosophy of ella baker if you have not read about her you definitely should um she is the person who basically is responsible for a tremendous amount of uh the grassroots movement for the civil rights struggle i mean that's a bad one yeah yeah <laughs> she trained uh pretty much all of the SNCC organizers so uh like stokely carmichael who became kwame Ture, mm -hmm. uh Diane Nash, um, when we think about John Lewis, mm -hmm. who a lot of people love, yeah. she trained him. Yeah. Um, and these were college students at the time. Yeah. So being able to um, instill different ways of how can people become change agents where they are. Because yeah. if everybody leaves the responsibility up to Marie Mott, yeah. I only can do so much because I'm one person, right? Yeah. Yeah. But if I can create agents of change, if I can uh, give you a framework of how do you go about creating change? Mm -hmm. How do you go about engaging the people around you mm -hmm. and, 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 and bringing in more, again, more people, more voices and people being able to see, well, you know, change is possible yeah. and that things are possible, that, you know, there is a brighter future that is ahead of us. Yeah. Maybe it's not as dark as I thought it was. Yeah, right? yeah. Um, and that I can do something about it. That's that's what I want to put in people. I, I can do. You know, uh, John F. Kennedy stated in uh, his inauguration, "That's not what uh, this country can do for you, but what can you do for your country?" So yeah. when I went to Harvard, uh, one of the books that we were given is is stamped on the front. That's what you can do. Mm -hmm. Mm, that's yeah. what you can do. So yeah. I want I want people to be able to get to such a point where they're so excited, like, what can I do yeah. today to be able to push our community, our neighborhood in a positive direction? And so yeah. I just want to, you know, just light a fire in people yeah. and get them to collaborate and connect with one another, even if they don't agree. Yeah. And how can we do that in a, in a way where we have dignity and respect for one another yeah. so that we can make some positive change in Chattanooga and maybe set a worldwide standard, not for poverty yeah. or for disenfranchisement, but we set a world-class example of what it means to be a big little city yeah. and actually um, right some wrongs and 
forge ahead. Uh, the, the internet, even though we say the fastest internet is the best thing we have, mm -hmm. it's not. The best thing that we have is people. Exactly. In the city. And if, oh my goodness, if we just invest in people, mm -hmm. if we bring in people, that's how the big little city of Chattanooga, man, we're going to be a world class example. That's what I want. I love it. I love it. That's great. That is. I hope that I, if I could, if I could bottle that up and keep it with me wherever I go, I wish I could do that. That is great. Um, first off, thank you so much for coming in today. It's been a, a pleasure speaking with you. Um, yeah, it's it's been a pleasure. This is for me personally been a long time coming. As I mentioned, obviously this is the first time we're meeting in person, but I've, I've been wanting to do something like this of of positive impact before. At some point, you know, I, I never really knew how to go about it. And I felt like at some point using my voice would be the best way to do it. And so uh, it's not only been a pleasure hearing from you, but I hope you've enjoyed hearing from me. And, and I, I hope that this conversation can, can be, I know it's been beneficial for me. I hope it can be beneficial for everybody that uh, listens to it. Before we finish up, uh, a little bit of a tradition that we have with each episode to kind of finish everything on a different, on a, on a bit of a different note. Okay. I like to give 15 quick questions to you. They're all this, they're all this or that. They're totally unrelated to everything we've been talking about. So this is uh, totally unrelated, but 15 quick questions. Uh, they're all this or that. So, you know, A or B. And I just want to get your off, off the dome. What you, what you think your, your gut response. You don't have to think about it too much, but I want, I want to hear what you say. So you ready? I'm ready. All right. This is 15 quick questions with Marie Mott. Number one, waffles or pancakes? East or West Coast? Oh, I would agree. Yes. East or West Coast? East Coast. That's where I'm from. Staying in or going out? Staying in. Summer or winter? Ooh, winter. Oh, I agree. Thank you. Yes. Guacamole or salsa? Guacamole. Movie marathon or TV marathon? Movie. Crunchy or creamy peanut butter? Creamy. Oh, <laughs> See, I'm a, I'm a crunchy. Ah, oh, man. Ah, oh, man. I mean your dad. Would, extra crunchy. Yeah, we would get along. We would get along just fine. Uh, sunrise or sunset? Oh, sunset. Hot or iced coffee? Iced. 70s, 80s, or 90s? Mm, 70s. Pineapple on pizza, yes or no? Oh, absolutely not. Oh, that's a, that's a hot take. Michael Jackson or Prince? Michael Jackson. Would you rather ride a tricycle, a bicycle, or a unicycle? Uh, fiction or nonfiction books? Nonfiction. Okay. And then the fifth, the 15 question, the one that we ended off with, would you rather have to fight one horse sized duck or a hundred duck sized horses? <laughs> That's the one I always try to throw people off with. Oh man. And I want to hear oh. your, I want to hear your rationale with this one. So say that one more time. Okay. Would you rather have to fight one horse sized duck or a hundred duck sized horses? I'll take the horse-sized duck <laughs> because I have actually, man, horses look cute and everything, but man, you go up to them and feed, I fed a horse an apple. They mean business. And I, and I felt like I almost got my hand up. <laughs> First of all, they don't look that big until you walk up on them. They're big. And then um, I forget the breed of horses that are um, in Kentucky that are like, you can like walk up under them. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I would, I'll take one duck that's yeah. like size. <laughs> But like, uh, no, not the horse. That's no, funny. I get stampeded. Okay. I, I, can, I can rock with this. Yeah. Hey, I, hey, I can, I can I'll, that sounds good to me. So anyways, that was your 15 quick questions. Thank, thank you, you. Thank you for that. Uh, before we finish off, I want to give you the floor. Uh, if there's anybody you want to give a shout out to, 
there's anything you're working on, I know you said you're, you're running for city council, but whatever you got going on, the, the floor is yours. So, Absolutely. yeah. Absolutely. So if you're listening, um, <coughs> I don't know when this will come out. So depending on, you could always. I'm going to hope to have, well, I don't know when this episode, I'm going to hope to start this by June. Okay. Cool. So I don't, I don't know what your timeline is, but if that helps Absolutely. a little bit. So you could tap in and see what are some of the things that I have as far as opinions for changing my community, votemod.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can find me at four, the number four, two. T-W-O, the number three, Marie, M-A-R-I-E, on all social media platforms. And anytime I end a live stream or a conversation, I have uh, something that I give to the people as a gift. And that is, uh, if you, no one has told you today, I love you. And guess what, family? There ain't nothing you can do about it. <laughs> <laughs> I love you all. What's that you can do about it, my people? Yeah, I love it. I love it. Well, again, thank you for having me. Thank you for coming in. It's been a pleasure. Uh, it's. I wish you the best of luck with your. When does the the city council race like conclude? Uh, August the fourth. August the fourth. Okay. Well, I'll I will have this out by then. I'll get. I'll give you that. I'll guarantee. I'll have this out by then, so people can hear about you and uh, can can hear a little bit about what you do and what you got going on. But uh, yeah, I'll make sure to put your Instagrams. I know you're on LinkedIn. I'll put all your. You have. You said you do have a website. Is that correct? I do. I'll make sure to put all those links in the description. So if you want to check out Marie and see what she's got going on, then you can go down the description and give her a follow. Uh, But yeah, thank you again for uh, being here today with me. And thank you all for listening. We'll catch you on the next episode. Bye. Bye.